Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. On today's episode, we are going to be having another mini water cooler. Uh, my name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and weekend editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, it's just you and I today. Uh, it's been a while. You know, we, we've been doing these little mini episodes, just sort of cycling through the uh, the old crew here. And uh, it, it's your turn today for a water cooler. So I'm probably not going to be talking too much because I've sort of spliced in, you know, what I've been watching uh, over the course of the past few of these that we've been doing. So I'm kind of like out of stuff to talk about for the most part. Um, so I'm just going to like sit back and let you tell me about all the stuff that you've been up to. So let's kick things off with what you've been doing. What have you been doing recently, Brad? Oh, fun. Uh, yeah. So I, um, I've gotten some just like kind of crazy things sent to me in the mail, like uh, just because of like the, some of the beats that I'm on for Slash Film, you know, the covering uh, collectibles and stuff like that. And then also because of the water cooler talking about different, you know, snacks and beverages and things like that. I just, I sometimes I just get, you know, stuff sent in PR packages that are just like a little bit weird and cool. And, uh, one of the things that I got recently was, uh, a pair of one of the Jurassic park shoes that were recently released by Reebok. They had like a whole line of these, 
that came out that were inspired by various uh, things from Jur- the original Jurassic Park, from the uh, the brown and red uh, Jeep Wrangler to um, like what Dennis Nedry wears um, in when he's working at Jurassic Park, like the Hawaiian shirt and and uh, yellow jacket and whatnot. But the the ones that uh, I got were the it's a crazy design and it's a, a fury pump from Reebok that is designed after the uh, neon yellow, green and red uh, Ford Explorer that the, uh, the tourists ride around in, uh, in Jurassic park. And they are like some of the wildest shoes that I've ever seen. <laughs> so Brad, I have to tell you that I wrote an article about these when I think the, the first images of them came out. And in the article, I referred to them as uh, aesthetically revolting. So. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, like they're, I feel like if I, if I saw them out, I wouldn't spend, especially the amount of money that Reebok tra- is charging for these shoes on them. But like, I, I I like them in a weird way. It's 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 tough because I don't think I'll ever wear them. Not and not just because like there's it's such a wild design, but like they don't really go with anything easily. You know, I yeah. I would like wear them for fun, like to a party where it's like, hey, look at these crazy shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they'll probably like sit on my shelf somewhere with you know uh, some of the other like Jurassic Park memorabilia that I've gotten uh, uh, over the years. So it's it's my second pair of uh, movie themed shoes that i gotten because when i went to uh ghostbusters fest um last year no the year before last year uh they had some limited edition k-swiss shoes and i bought a pair that is like modeled after the stay puff marshmallow man and i won't wear those either especially because they're like pure white and they would just get dirty in an instant mm-hmm. um and i got the you know the box signed by dan Aykroyd, which is pretty cool but uh nice. yeah so i'm not i'm definitely not leaning into becoming like a movie themed sneakerhead because that is way too expensive a hobby and i have <laughs> plenty of those already <laughs> so um but yeah so it was it was cool to, to have them and like I I like I like the ones that I that I got because I feel like they're probably the most unique um, out of the bunch. There are some other pretty cool uh, designs out there that I'm sure you know sneakerheads uh, enjoy just because how how cool they look. But yeah, I was happy with the ones that I got. Okay, so uh, the the other thing that you put on the dock here for what the, this other stuff that you've received, I had to do like a double take reading <laughs> this. So why don't you tell people what else you've got recently? So to preface this, um, uh, Mountain Dew comes out has been coming out with new flavors like two or three times a year, and this summer they came out with uh, two new Baja flavors. Uh, Baja Blast is like a staple flavor that's been around for a while. It's you know at Taco Bell and and whatnot. Um, but they came out with two additional Baja flavors called Baja Flash and Baja Punch. Uh, the Baja Flash one is like a pineapple coconut uh, kind of flavor. And the Baja Punch is like a tropical um, punch kind of kind of flavor. And so those both came out this summer. And as like um, a limited edition kind of thing, Mountain Dew also released room sprays inspired by all three of the Baja flavors. And that's right, room sprays. <laughs> so I got these these three little like spray bottles that are like they're basically the size of like when you had like glasses cleaner, you know, um, in that kind of like spritz bottle. And it's, it's a, it's a very pleasing, um, you know, tropical scent that comes out of these that, that does, you know, essentially smell like the sodas taste, I, I guess you would say. And so it's, uh, it's not, you know, um, remarkably different from if you got, you know, like a tropical candle, uh, from, from somewhere or like a tropical, 
uh um deodorizer or uh what's the word i'm looking for that what's what are those sp- sprays um sprays yeah, I, I, air freshener air freshener. there we go yeah uh yeah like like from you know bed bed beyond or bath and body works or whatever so uh yeah but it's just weird to, to have mountain dew themed room spray <laughs> you know what this room needs a, a little dash of baja right now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah let's spritz it up with some dew <sighs> okay all right well um <laughs> Okay, there's no good transition out of that, Brad. So uh, what have you been reading recently? Yeah, I've been trying to do some more reading, uh, and I recently dug into uh, a book called Wild and Crazy Guys, How the Comedy Mavericks of the 80s Changed Hollywood Forever. Uh, And this is uh, an awesome book for anybody who is uh, a lover of films of the 1980s, especially like Ghostbusters and Beverly Hills Cop and Caddyshack and The Jerk. And this book is just this great dive into that decade and all these big comedy stars that rose out of it. Um, it's, it's written by uh, Nick DeSemlian, who uh, works over at Empire Magazine, a British-based entertainment uh, publication. And the way that he just uh, weaves in and out of the careers of Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase and Eddie Murphy uh, and Bill Murray, Rick Moranis, John Candy, all these people, um, it's just he weaves this great tale through Hollywood from – uh, how these guys got their start, their uh, rise to fame, um, the bad movies they made, the movies that they developed that never went anywhere, uh, the clashing there was between some of them. Uh, obviously, lots of them have Saturday Night Live roots, so there are cool behind-the-scenes stories from there. And it's just this great um, you know, dig into this era of Hollywood where comedy was king. And we really haven't seen uh, a decade as rich with you know fantastic comedy and these stars you know who became larger than life uh because of how funny they were since then uh and so yeah if um if you like you know a lot of the movies and the people that i mentioned this book is a, a must read uh i think and it's, uh, it just came out last year and uh, you should definitely check it out so brad the only concern that i have is like you know that uh particular period and those movies and those actors are like some of the most um how would you say most discussed people in, you know, in film conversations probably. Yeah. Um, so it feels like that ground has been tread very, very often. So reading this book, is there a lot of stuff in there that you had never heard before? I mean, you in particular, I feel like are, are very, um, you know, fluent in, in those people in that era. Yeah. It's um, it's, there's a lot of, a lot more intimate details and interesting things that he, uh, dug up from archive interviews uh, and just he really did his research and didn't do just this surface level coverage of behind the scenes stuff that you know you would have read in passing or heard about in featurettes or you know typical Hollywood stories like there mm-hmm. there's some deep dive stuff and uh, stuff that I, I had I, at least I hadn't heard of before um, so you know depending on your your level of knowledge and I guess you know how obsessed you are you know maybe uh, there, there'll definitely be some retread but Personally, for me, I, I feel like uh, it got a lot more uh, personal with uh, each of their careers and the movies and kind of how they de- developed with a lot of insights just from because um, I, th- I feel like what what where the book benefits is that there aren't a lot of clips uh, from whether it's, you know, interviews or news stories or the press from that time because the Internet wasn't you know around in the 80s. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff that we really haven't seen or heard before because those clips aren't being played over and over and they weren't endlessly chronicled in the same way that entertainment news is today. So I think there's a lot of interesting tidbits that people will will be fascinated to hear about. 
Excellent. All right. So that's called Wild and Crazy Guys. And let's go into what we've been watching. Brad, what have you been checking out recently? Uh, I recently watched um, a, a low-key, slow-burn kind of uh, kidnapping thriller called Alone. And um, it's, uh, I guess you would you know, say indie in, in nature. It just came out in uh, 2020. And uh, you can watch it on Hulu right now. Uh, it's directed by uh, John Hyams, and it stars Julie uh, Jules Wilcox as this woman who uh, she's dealing with the fallout of a uh, a relationship in a very tragic way. And while she's uh, moving across the country and driving through the mountains, uh, she keeps encountering this guy who's kind of unsettling, and he ends up kidnapping her. And it, but the the movie isn't necessarily just keeping her trapped because she quickly escapes, and it's this uh, you know. Uh, woman versus nature and man kind of story where she's trying to survive in the wilderness while he's chasing her uh, and keeps tracking her down. And so it's, um, I, I don't want to say it's necessarily formulaic because it does some, some interesting uh, new things. It's, it's very grounded. Um, and the, uh, the guy who is, you know, stalking her, um, Mark Manchaka is uh, good at being creepy without necessarily being uh, over the top about it. So um, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more, uh, you know, off the uh, the path, I think uh, checking this one out would be a good idea. Yeah, I was going to say, I have never heard of this. And I mean, 2020 was certainly a weird year in terms of pop culture stuff. So I'm not surprised that something slipped through the cracks. But like, how did you hear about this in the first place? Uh, my mom actually watched it. And then she uh, she recommended it uh, to me. Because um, cool. we, yeah, we typically like to see thrillers and horror movies like this. And so she had watched it while I was away at some point, And then she uh, had me watch it. So yeah, I've, I think I've only seen one movie that John Himes directed, and that was uh, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Did you ever see that? Oh, boy, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that was uh, that came out in 2012, and I remember there being a big conversation at that time because it was like a... Um, it was like one of those Scott Adkins action movies. Yeah. You know, he's like a, it's sort of like a direct to, to video kind of deal. Um, and obviously, it was, a, it was a part of this ongoing Universal Soldier franchise, but um, that one... Man, if you haven't seen that movie, uh, <laughs> if you're a fan of action films, I would recommend watching it. But it is uh, it is a trip. So, um, yeah, I, I have not uh, seen this, but alone, I will add that to my queue. Uh, what else have you been watching? Brad? Uh, I've also been watching several episodes of the second season of Ted Lasso. Um, I, I've, seen, I've seen more than has been released, so I won't dig into anything uh, that we're not supposed to talk about because uh, those people who have been given screeners are, are not supposed to say anything about uh, episodes that haven't been released yet and that are still under embargo. Um, what I will say, though, since the fourth episode is coming up, is the fourth episode is one of the most charming, delightful pieces of television I have ever seen. Uh, it is a Christmas episode, and it will be something that I watch every single year just because of how heartwarming and uplifting it is. And uh, suffice it to say, from the episodes I've seen so far from the second season of Ted Lasso, this show is miraculously delivering more of the same of the incredible first season, uh, maybe even ramping things up a little bit and uh, doing more interesting things by digging into the character of Ted Lasso uh, without ignoring you know, how important the rest of the cast is and developing them all uh, equally as characters that you care about Every single one of them. There's there's not a single character on the show that I that I don't care about and that I'm not invested in, uh, and that's very impressive, uh, especially when it comes to uh, a comedy and a sports comedy even. So uh, if you're enjoying the se second season so far, there's plenty more good stuff to come, and uh, I can't wait to see what the episodes hold that we haven't been given yet. 
Yeah, yeah. I've only, I watched the first three episodes. Um, this was probably three weeks ago now because I, I had to write the review for the site and that was all that we had access to at the time. Um, so now we're caught up to that point and I have not watched beyond that yet. Um, so I, I don't want to uh, I don't want you to like tip your hand, Brad, because I know you've seen you know far more of this season than I have. But I've just the one thing that I'm like very curious about, maybe most curious about in this whole season so far is how uh, Ted's relationship with Sharon, this new like psychiatrist yeah. character is going to play out because that, you know, the first season he had the whole sort of fish out of water thing. And he was like, um, he didn't really have uh, a clear obstacle. And it sort of seems like Sharon, th- this new character that was introduced to sort of like help the team out of its funk uh, is is kind of a um, I don't know like an ideological uh, on the other side of the ideological spectrum as him or something. So there's like an interesting conflict like within the office of uh, of of this um, AFC Richmond team that was not present in the first season. And I'm it's like a little simmering tension in the first three episodes. And I'm very curious like what you know how that uh, that takes place over the course of the season so yeah it, um, it definitely builds and it's um they it's very much uh addressed and interestingly enough so when i when we um i was making my way through the screeners i actually felt like episode eight could have easily been uh a finale and if, if it were, i realized later that that wasn't the case because there's still like four more episodes after that that are coming but it would have been an interesting way to do it just because of what happens in, in that episode um and in retrospect there there would have been one aspect i guess that's disappointing i'm obviously i'm being intentionally vague and everyone mm-hmm. will understand when they get to that point in september but um yeah it's uh it takes some very interesting turns uh with with that relationship and i'm i'm interested to see how that that unfolds over the the rest of the season awesome all right so uh let's see what other if one more thing that you've been watching yeah, so uh, my my girlfriend has an affinity for um, getting absorbed into trashy reality shows. <laughs> um, I've I've talked about a couple of them uh, before. It's kind of the sillier ones that have caught my attention while you know that are on in the background while I'm working or something like that. Uh, and so she's been getting lost in this um, series that on Netflix called Too Hot to Handle. Have you heard about this, Ben? Which one is this? Netflix has so many ridiculous reality shows with like ludicrous premises that I can't keep them all straight. Yeah, they do. And there's also, I've seen ads for so many other ones. I I get confused which ones are on which streaming service. So this this one is on, on Netflix. And basically the premise is there's all these obviously super hot, you know, hunks and girls who are sent to this resort and they think that it's going to be like this, you know, big hookup show essentially. But then they are told that they will have to refrain from any sexual activity, both with each other and themselves. And they're given this community pot of money. Uh, I think it's $100,000, but they lose money every time they break the rules, which includes everything from making out to having sex to masturbation and all of these things. And so they basically have to resist the urge. Uh, and these are some of the like, like the most horny like player, you know, kind of people who like are all about, you know, living that sexed up life. And so watching them try to hold back and like just the way they talk about it. Um, and also just how like douchey some of these people are. It's just, it is, um, 
it's, it's trashy in, in, in the worst way possible, but sometimes it can just be entertaining in the way where it just makes you roll your eyes and just laugh like, oh my God, I can't believe this is a real thing. <laughs> so where would you put this on the scale of, uh, of trashy reality shows that you've seen? Oh gosh. Um, it's definitely down there. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say it doesn't sound like the worst thing that you've that you've seen, but maybe <laughs> maybe it is. Yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It, <laughs> these the, the, these shows just they perplex me so much, you know, and like I, I, I get the junk food aspect of them, especially as somebody who enjoys literal junk food, you know. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe this is like the the Mountain Dew room spray of Netflix reality <laughs> dating shows. <laughs> oh my God. I wish Netflix had posters that uh, were widely <laughs> distributed. So we could put slap that on one of them. Um, all right. So speaking of, uh, of junk food, what have you been eating recently, Brad? Uh, so Halloween is coming around. Uh, and even though it's only August, uh, stores are already getting stocked up with Halloween candy because that's just how capitalism works. And uh, one of the new ones that I found is uh, Nerds Candy Corn. Uh, I have talked on this podcast before, I'm pretty sure, about how much I famously hate candy corn because it, because it is the worst candy, period. Not even just mm-hmm. Halloween candy. It's just sugary trash that i hate (laughs) um but this is different because even though it's called candy corn it's only candy corn in shape uh the flavor is taken directly from nerds and it's uh kind of has a it's basically a two-layer kind of candy because it has an outer shell that is one flavor and then the inside mixes that flavor with another flavor so so nerds are tiny brad is this like something where there's a bunch of nerds like stuck together in a can in a and a like a, a like a normal candy corn size or is it like a tiny candy corn shape that's the size of an individual nerd what are we talking about that's a very good question um it is there's no mini nerds inside the candy corn it's just it's it's candy that's in the shape of candy corn and it's just like basically nerds flavor and consistency but 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 softer like it's kind of like a like like chewy nerds consistency i guess Hmm. you would say um and so but the the flavors are are very good um I, i i posted about this on my um, my look at Brad's junk page uh, on Instagram. Um, and it's, I was very impressed um, with it. That has, so there's um, strawberry, grape, strawberry, lemon, blue raspberry, orange, and watermelon shells. And then inside of those shells, it mixes the flavor so that the inside, one of the insides has cherry watermelon. Uh, one of the other ones, uh, two of the other ones have fruit punch. And then the other ones have grape. And so just, the, the candy flavors are, are really good. Um, it's, it, you know, I, I like nerds in, in general. This, it, it's, it's almost like, um, it's not dissimilar from like how the nerds flavor mixes with like, uh, I think I talked about the gummy clusters with nerds before, which is like mm-hmm. gummies that have the nerds all around them. And so the, the flavor is kind of uh, similar to those, but uh, they're very good. If, even if you hate candy corn, you should get these because like I said, they're nothing like real candy corn and they're, they're awesome. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So what else you've been eating? Uh, the drive-in franchise Sonic has a new banana pudding milkshake. Uh, and I'm a sucker for banana pudding, especially if it involves Nilla wafers, because that's the best kind of banana pudding. There's no other way to have banana pudding. Um, and this is exactly what I was hoping for from, uh, this kind of confection. Uh, it has the, uh, the flavor of banana pudding, but it's mixed with real bananas. And there are mini chunks of Nilla wafers that are broken up in the, the whipped cream. Um, they give you like a big thick milkshake straw. So like the pieces don't get stuck in the straw, which is, mm-hmm. which is nice. Cause 
they're you know big fake Nilla wafer pieces. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, if you're a person who likes banana pudding, um, I personally don't think that there's uh, an too much of an artificial banana flavor, even though it's banana pudding. I think the real bananas um, help make it feel like it's mostly uh, a natural banana flavor. Um, so your mileage may vary depending on how you feel about artificial banana flavor, but uh, like I, I enjoyed it very much. Okay, so from sweet to savory, uh, what's the next thing on your list? So this is this is one of the, the crazy things and uh, that I recently tried because it's just a weird concept. Um, Lay's has three new flavors that are uh, flavor swap, where they've taken their normal potato chip formulas and added the seasoning of other chips. So they have two normal lace flavors that are seasoned by Cool Ranch Doritos and Cheetos dust. And then they have a wavy lace variety that is seasoned like Funyuns. So these are huh. chips that taste like other chips. <laughs> <laughs> so is it uh, Wait, so what is the what is the point of this? Is it um is it just a novelty? Is it like you can try Oh, I guess it's a texture thing, right? And a shape thing. Like, oh, it's like you get the Cheetos flavor, but with, uh, you know, in a in a more round chip instead of like the elongated Cheeto. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's the idea of changing the kind of chip that you're eating and tasting that seasoning elsewhere because the, the consistency of like a, you know, a corn puff or a crunchy, you know, um, corn noodle i don't know whatever you want to call it, cheetos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um and then like a regular potato chip but with the seasoning you know, that you otherwise normally get like on a dorito or whatever um it 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 does change the flavor profile again because you're getting a potato chip with that seasoning instead of a corn chip or you know a corn puff mm-hmm. and so uh with the the cool ranch doritos one it doesn't initially it doesn't taste remarkably different from sour cream and onion because cool ranch isn't too far off from that but after you've had a couple, the the Cool Ranch flavor starts to feel more familiar. It's it's almost like your taste buds are confused because you're like, wait a minute, potato chips don't taste like Doritos. Um, and then it's the same with the Cheetos. Uh, the the cheese flavor isn't like a normal cheese flavor that you would get with like a sour cream and onion or you know uh, a, a, another cheese kind of potato chip. It's definitely Cheetos, you know, dust that, that they've put on it, um, and it's very good. But for my money, I the the Funyuns ones uh, were the ones that I was the most pleased with because the flavor is very distinct and strong uh even on the the wavy lace um and i think that was personally i think it's it's the best one okay and then there's one more thing you've been eating as well there is and i do want to say too um i I talked about those three chips on i have a a morning radio show that i do bi-weekly although the schedule has been kind of inconsistent recently for reasons that aren't worth explaining um but if you want to check that out um Go to our Facebook page. Uh, the show is called Ben, Brad, and Beyond. I ho- co-host it with my friend Ben. Uh, and we had an episode um, a little bit ago where I, <laughs> we tried these chips live on the air. And my friend Ben gets especially frustrated with the the kinds of things that I like to, like to try because he, he doesn't get it. Uh, <laughs> and so he gets so annoyed. And so it's it's really fun uh, to uh, to hear him react <laughs> to, the, to the different chips. So feel free to check that out. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, I tried something at Taco Bell that is not available at Taco Bell's uh, nationwide. It's something that's being tested at Taco Bell's in this Midwest region. 
Um, it's a variation on something that that is available to talk about, but it's it's different because of what they use in it. And so nacho fries recently came back towards the end of July. And with it, they're doing these new loaded taco nacho fries and a nacho fries burrito that puts the fries inside of a burrito. Um, at my Taco Bell, they also have a variation uh, that includes white hot ranch nacho fries and a burrito with the fries in it as well. Uh, and so this is something, like I said, it's not available anywhere. It's being tested here. And so I had to try it. Um, I'm not a spicy person uh, when it comes to food. I, I, I keep my sauces pretty mild. I don't go out of my way to make things very hot. Uh, I just don't enjoy the flavor of things being hot. The burn is not a sensation that I appreciate. I feel like it ruins the flavor. But I was curious enough to see how spicy this really was. I found out after I ordered it that the white hot ranch sauce they use is in, like infused with ghost pepper. So oh. yeah, so but when I tried it with the burrito, when the sauce is mixed with the rest of the ingredients, which includes fries and the beef and nacho cheese uh, and whatnot, it is not quite so spicy. But if you get a bite of the sauce where there's a lot more of the sauce than other ingredients, that's when you really feel the burn and you get a sense of how spicy it is. And uh, it's definitely the kind of thing that gradually warms your mouth and just kind of creates this, you know, uh, low key burning, tingling sensation around your your whole mouth. So I, I went for some milk pretty quickly once I, I had a bite like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is the white hot ranch nacho fries slash burrito. Excellent. Um, all right, let's get into what we've been playing, Brad. What have you been listening to recently? Yeah, so uh, we we mix go back and forth between video games and music here, just because you know playing can can talk about many things, whether it's podcast, music, or video games. And so I recently listened to a couple different albums. Uh, one isn't a full album, but it's uh, something that I was really interested to hear because I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. And in case you didn't hear, they did a little uh, mini Bee Gees cover album where they covered five songs from the Bee Gees uh, in this little LP called uh, The DGs, which is a reference uh, to Dave Grohl's initials. And then the album itself is called Hail Satin, a reference to the, the famous wardrobe choices by the Bee Gees themselves. <laughs> um, and uh, the covers they do of these songs are awesome. It gives just the right amount of uh, a rock edge to the Bee Gees without losing the like identity of the songs themselves. Uh, and Dave Grohl shows uh, some great range hitting the higher pitch notes uh, that the Bee Gees were, were famous for. So uh, if you like the Foo Fighters and maybe you're a little leery about uh, you know disco or not a big fan, this might be the best way for you to listen to this kind of music because uh, the, the songs are, are still catchy and great and uh, the, the Foo Fighters add the, just the right flair of their, their own style to them. Okay, so that is Hail Satin. And the uh, the final thing that we're going to talk about today, I'm glad you put on here because I did not mention this in any other uh, episode of the show, but I've also been listening to this this final thing. So what else have you been listening to? Yeah, I was hoping you hadn't talked about this yet because I know that you, uh, like me, are unironically a genuine fan of John Mayer. And he recently released a new album called Sob Rock, uh, which I greatly enjoyed. It's, um, it's the first John Mayer album in a while that I feel like I really appreciated the entire album uh, that he was doing. It's very much a riff on like uh, 1980s style ballads um, with some influence, you know, from the likes of, of Toto and whatnot. Even the music video he did for one of the songs is uh, very much a, not, not necessarily a parody, but more of an homage uh, with a little bit of cheekiness to it, to music videos of the 1980s. And uh, it's a more uh, low key kind of album. It's not the kind of album where like, 
you immediately hear a single. I don't think the the couple songs he's released so far that are singles are probably the most I think like accessible and uh, and catchy, but they're not like ones that jump out at you at like, oh man, this is going to be the hit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's just a a generally you know nice uh, soft rock ca- kind of album, and I really liked uh, him digging into this uh, this style. How about you? Man, I like this a lot. I mean, my big complaint is that it's only 10 tracks yeah. long, which like his most recent album came out in 2017. So that was a, that's a long time between albums. And for only 10 tracks, I, I just feel like ah, I just wanted more. And especially because uh, New Light, uh, I guess I just feel like and Carry Me Away, three of the songs on this new album were already released like you know, on I think he put them out on on YouTube and yeah, it was it was, or something. it was funny when I started listening to the album. I didn't know New Light was on it, and it came on, and I was like, I was like, oh, did it skip to another John Mayer song? Like, yeah, because this, this has been out forever. I didn't know it was on this album. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, like I think New Light came out like a couple years ago, yeah. or something. Um, so it's been so for whatever thirty percent of the album to be made up of stuff that we've already heard before and for it to only be 10 tracks long i just felt like god i just really wish it was you know a 13 or 15 track uh thing but um yeah music wise i love all of it i've I've already like just fallen head over heels heels for it I, i listen to it all the time um i'm curious what you think about why you know love me the the fourth song on the album do you have any any thoughts on that that's my least favorite by the way uh i think i would agree with you on that um that's the one that almost that, that almost feels like it is trying to be a parody in a way. Yeah, it's really weird because the of the way that the lyrics work and the um the music part of it is is very like uh I don't know, like Hawaiian inspired, you know. Yeah. And uh the yeah, the the construction of the vocals, the the literally like the way that the sentences are constructed, it's not it's not um clean english yeah and i at first i'm like what are you doing like this just feels um like culturally insensitive or something and i heard him on give some interview where he was talking about how it's not uh the concept of this song is not english as a second language it's um like language as a second language It's, it's, it's supposed to be like from a child's point of view like almost talking to your your mother like tapping into this really you know primal um almost before you can even fully form thought you know sentences and and words on your own kind of thing and i'm like uh i don't really get that from this song so you're just like on your own wavelength on that one man like i i love every other song in the album and i like the music part of why you know love me a lot but uh lyrically i just had some some serious questions about what was going on yeah i would agree that explanation yeah it definitely doesn't doesn't track when you hear hear the song (laughs) and it feels like something that gets lost that he like latched onto when he was writing it and it just it doesn't come through so yeah yeah um but yeah yeah i I definitely agree as much as i love the entire album that song it's like eh okay well that'll be one that we skip <laughs> yeah yeah there's um there's so many good ones on here though and and you know i i've been a, a john mayer fan since probably, i think i saw him first for the first time in concert in like 2003 or something like that so it's been a long long time and i think he's like one of the best guitar players in the world and um like the i don't know if you ever listened to uh, the john mayer trio the album oh yeah i love john mayer trio i wish that he would do something with them again yeah me too um and so like every time he's put an, out an album since then, I've been like wondering if he was really just going to like let some of that guitar flair 
you know, uh, shine. And this album is so subdued that it's not really that kind of album, yeah. which I think is is probably good for most mainstream, you know, uh, uh, listeners who don't give a crap about guitar solos like I do. Um, but it just feels like, man, I, he's, I know he's bottling this stuff up. Like, just let it loose every once in a while. But... Uh, all right, so that's me nerding out. About yeah, him. I'm I, sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree, and I, I wish that he would like take more time to do more side projects like that and lean more into like the blues rock side that he has because man, he can do incredible things with the guitar and the love he has for all these musicians who you know are also skilled with an instrument. Like I just, I would love to see you know some kind of collaborative album that he does with even more people with with that kind of music because it's just. Uh, it was just awesome. And I, I miss, you know, that so much. Yeah. I know he's doing stuff with, um, dead and company, which is like the, the former members of the grateful dead who are still alive. And I, I've just never been really a grateful dead fan. And even though I, I love John Mayer's music, I just have never listened to that stuff. It's just not really my vibe. So maybe that's where he's doing all of his like amazing guitar stuff. And I'm just completely missing out on it because it's not really my, (laughs) my style. So that's very possible, but um yeah so uh stop rock it's great go check it out yeah uh all right yeah i think that's gonna bring us to the end of today's episode of slash film daily um brad i'll, I'll try to put a link to uh that radio show that you mentioned in the the uh, liner notes here the show notes so people can uh just click easily and, and find that if they want to check that out and brad's junk uh, at oh yes at look yes, at brad's yeah. junk on instagram your, your instagram feed yes of yeah. course uh all right so slash on daily is published every weekday bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple google overcast spotify all of the popular podcast apps and send your feedback questions comments concerns and mailbag topics to us at peter at slash film.com Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.